listening to Local Bites, the podcast of local futures and the economics of happiness. In this series, we feature critical voices and inspiring examples from the global movement to resist the power of giant corporations and to renew ecological, social, and spiritual well-being through a systemic shift towards local economies. I'm Sean Keller. In this episode, we speak with Ireland-based Judith Hitchman, who is the president of Urgency, an international network of community-supported agriculture groups, or CSAs. CSAs help build strong connections between small-scale farmers and people interested in buying their food locally, using a membership-based model to make it simple for local food to reach the dinner table, while also educating people about how their food is grown. Urgency has made it their goal to help spread CSAs and similar initiatives like Italy's ethical purchasing groups called GAS all over the world. And they've been quite successful, particularly in Europe, with 2,000 CSAs opening in France over the past two decades, and the model now spreading into countries in Central and Eastern Europe, where it was largely non-existent until a few years ago. Local Futures Associate Programs Director Kristen Steele caught up with Judith at the New Economy and Social Innovation Forum, or NESI, in Malaga, Spain, where many of our other recent episodes were also recorded. What follows is their conversation. Hi, Judith. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Could you tell me a bit more about your work in the New Economy realm? Okay, well, I'm president of the Global Community Supported Agriculture Network called Urgency. And Urgency has two pillars. One is solidarity economy because community supported agriculture is a part of a different and new and solidarity economy. And the other, of course, is food sovereignty, which is perhaps our stronger pillar, but we are part of the global food sovereignty movement and the global solidarity economy movement called REPES. That's quite a lot. It is. (laughs) So as urgency, one of our missions really is to build the bridge between solidarity economy and the food sovereignty movement. And the other mission really is the promoting of community-supported agriculture together with our collective allies working on global food policy through the UN system so that... I'm working on both the entry point of the solidarity economy through the UN Interagency Task Force on Social and Solidarity Economy with my REPES hat, and in the Committee on World Food Security and the FAO, which is unique because of the civil society mechanism where we have working groups where civil society participates really actively in building the global food policy. And at European level, we are also working on various issues such as the common agricultural policy and now inputting in a process that has been started by Olivier de Schutter, the ex-UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to Food, on building a common food policy. Because today with industrial agriculture, it means that people are divorced from where their food is produced and food is not local, it is not agroecologically produced, and we need to relocalize and redevelop our food systems, taking into account all the inclusive elements as well as the production methods. So as Judith mentioned, part of her work on reforming Europe's food systems revolves around the common agricultural policy, 
the European Union's policy regarding agricultural subsidies. And not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but it's important to note that the common agricultural policy has been incredibly destructive, both for Europe's environment and for its people. Among other things, it has allowed foreign land-grabbing investors to get payouts of EU money, has benefited rich landowners with lots of land more than small farmers with small plots, and has facilitated the wholesale destruction of hundreds of thousands of hectares of natural spaces to make way for subsidy-eligible farmland. It's well worth reading more about it if you're not already familiar with it, and drastically changing the common agricultural policy is, has been, and will continue to be a key part of food system change efforts in Europe. But for now, back to Kristen and Judith. So can you tell me a bit more about what you mean by solidarity economy? What does that look like? Solidarity economy is an approach where there is justice and equity in the economic system built around people's fundamental needs, both for goods and services. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the role of the global economy in creating social and ecological crises. The economy we globally have does not serve humanity. It destroys humanity, planet, and creates wealth for those who are already wealthy as opposed to being inclusive and redistributive in the sense that people do not have access to their fundamental human rights or needs. So that is where the changes need to happen. And I think that we need to look at it in a two-pronged way. On one hand, fighting against an unjust system, but equally, and this is where the solidarity economy approach is most important, building our solutions, which are the people's solutions, and re-empowering our local communities. Tying this where necessary into global issues as well, of course, because no local community lives in isolation, and our, but our networks are bottom-up networks working for global solutions. That's great. We, at Local Futures, we often talk about resistance and renewal, which I think is exactly what you're saying. We're definitely saying the same thing. Yeah. And we also see that, that changing how food is produced and marketed and consumed and packaged and transported, the entire food system is so central to changing the economy because it's something that everybody needs every day. Absolutely. And I mean, where we rebuild our local food systems, we can decommodify food and decouple it from the whole WTO, World Bank and trade paradigm whereby food becomes an object of speculation as opposed to feeding ourselves. So one of the things that we're looking at right now in relation to food, but in also in all sorts of other trade, is these global trade agreements. And I'm wondering how you see those trade treaties fitting in with the work that you do. I think it is absolutely essential for all our movements, social movements, in a cross-sectional way to fight against these treaties because these treaties allow the total monopoly of not just our food systems, but way beyond our food systems. But as we're talking specifically about food, starting with seeds, through land and land grabbing, through water and water grabbing, through food, the commodification of food and the selling of food, 
And the insidious part of that is the ISDS calls, of course. ISDS clauses are arguably the scariest feature of global trade treaties, and they are part of nearly every major existing and proposed trade treaty since the 1980s, including among others NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and TTIP, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. ISDS stands for Investor State Dispute Settlement, and what these clauses do is they allow corporations to challenge any national policies including labor laws and environmental laws, that might reduce corporate profits. In other words, through ISDS clauses, corporations are specifically granted the right to sue governments in a special extra-legal court system. And no, governments can't sue corporations back for, say, undermining a country's food economy. Most countries around the world are now part of an ISDS arbitration system due to the trade treaties they've signed, and companies have often taken advantage of this system to extract enormous concessions. Sometimes they don't even need to see a case through court. The mere threat of being sued in an ISDS tribunal is often enough to make governments cave to corporations' demands. The ISDS could quite literally, to give you a very concrete example, in Europe, under the European Union legislation, there are Directives 24 and 25, which specifically allow for clauses to privilege small-scale food producers or small-scale producers of various kinds to collectively respond to local tenders. In other words, a group of local food producers under European Directives 24 and 25 may respond to tenders for school canteens. Now, this takes you instantly into conflict with a large multinational like Sodexo, where they have an industrial kitchen and the food is just heated up in microwaves and served to the kids and the, all the food is produced using all the chemical inputs and glyphosate and everything we don't want our kids to be eating. So there in a nutshell you have an illustration with ISDS. Sodexo could take small local authorities to court to the investor state uh, tribunals and stop them from putting in local kitchens to feed children with local small-scale producer-grown agroecological or organic food. So we are really talking about very, very fundamental aspects. Now this is where we have to collectively raise awareness, where we have to collectively work with all the other social movements and oppose these trade agreements and any agreement that would in any way detract from local sovereignty, sovereignty in terms of local authorities' rights to take decisions on these things, and also local people's power and rights to determine how we want to do things, mm -hmm. both in the field of food and in many, many other fields. But if the seeds are controlled, if the food that is procured, prepared and fed to, to children in school canteens is all controlled by the industrial system, you know, that is, that is the road of TTIP, TPP, etc. And this is what we are fighting and that is where we do actively need to come out in the streets. But I mean, there was a very major people's petition in Europe to fight TTIP. And I think 
there is an increasingly high level of awareness, certainly in Europe, on these issues. So for people listening today, how would you suggest that they get involved in fighting the trade treaties? I suggest that they get involved through the various social movements that exist throughout the world, in each country, in each region. They are cross-sectional. You choose whichever rings your bell in terms of your particular affinity, be it in terms of food or in terms of other human rights-based approaches. Um, as you know, Local Futures is very focused on localization. That's what we see as the most comprehensive strategy for creating a new economy. And you've been talking about local food and how important that is. And I wonder how you see localization more broadly in all sectors as part of the move towards a new economy. To me, the localization, or the, I often talk about relocalization when I'm talking to people because relocalization implies that it was previously localized. If you like, solidarity economy is a whole and it's a holistic approach based on what kind of services people need, what kind of food systems they collectively need, what kind of energy services they need, what kind of educational services they need, etc. etc. This is why the devolution of power to local authorities is such an important thing and in I would say a majority of the world today, land zoning is something that comes down to local authorities. Many decisions in terms of delivery of goods and services comes down to local authorities. A lot of this needs to link much more closely to platforms like the global platform of the right to the city, which is where RIPES is also working with urgency or involved in that process as well. So there must be self-determination at local level. Local food policy councils are an important piece of all of that work because they're an interface. You can also imagine local energy councils and councils that are parts of the puzzle where the citizens are empowered to participate in the decision-making process. This is how you will overcome things like ghettos, food deserts, lack of access to services, facilities and whatever. And the whole approach of the Global Platform for the Right to the City is working strategically on all of those entry points and that is where I'm putting some of my energies. Great. It's amazing you have so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. <laughs> yes, this morning you were in the yeah, sea yeah. and training for um, a long swim that you're about to do, right? Yes, I'm about to do <laughs> an open water swim in aid of our local lifeboat at home in Ireland. That's amazing. So between all of the international travel and the activism and all the different organizations that you're a part of, you're also squeezing in time for 
very impressive swim. Well, I think it's really important to stay anchored where your roots are. My roots are at home in the village in Ireland. And also to stay really fit and active because, I mean, I do work a lot all over the world. It's true. And I'm nearly 70. It's inspiring. <laughs> so just one last question then, okay. which is, uh, is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners about how they can get involved in creating the new economy? I think that there is no one recipe. I think that people have different affinities, people feel close to different parts of it, be it the preservation of the local environment, be it through building ecological houses, be it through new kinds of goods and services, be it through whatever. I mean, in my case, it's food and building alternative food systems. But I think everybody needs to find their own niche. I'm not going to preach for any one single chapel because I think you know no one size fits all. And the way in which people develop local solidarity partnerships and working groups really depends on how things work where they are. Well, thank you very much, Judith. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been lovely talking to you too. Thank you for inviting me. On our website, localfutures.org, we keep a running list of organizations working for big-picture economic change. You can find the link in the description for this episode. Under the categories called Resisting Corporate Power, Food and Agriculture, and Maps of Alternatives, you'll find the kind of cross-sectional social movements, policy groups, and grassroots campaigns that may be worth getting involved with if you're interested in doing more to build local economies globally. If you'd like to learn more about the insanity of our global trading system, Check out our new Insane Trade fact sheet and accompanying short film, also linked in the episode description. Also on our website, you can subscribe to the Local Bites podcast and listen to or download other episodes. We'd love your help spreading the word about the podcast, so I invite you to share it with your friends. And please email info at localfutures.org if you have ideas for other people or topics we should feature. Thanks for listening to Local Bites. See you next time. <laughs>